Before thee let my cry come near, O Lord, true to thy word, teach me before thee. We are thankful that you are able to join us today as Pastor Mark Robinette preaches another sermon at Foundation Church here in Mount Sterling, Ohio. If this message is an encouragement to you, and we pray that it will be, please consider taking the time to go to www.foundationfellowshipchurch.org and let us know. Thank you, and may the Lord richly bless you through His Word. Let my lips thy praise confess, yea, of thy word my tongue would sing, Greetings, people of God, this Lord's Day, in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Greetings. God has invited us once again into His presence among His people. Can we say thanks be to God? Thanks Where two or three are gathered together, the Bible tells us, when we're gathered together in His name, there He is in the midst of us. Now, we know God's everywhere, so kind of when we hear that scripture we think well of course he is right but I think what's implied here is that there is a special presence of God when we gather together as his people of course he's here but there's something different about how he's here now than when he is in other times so we come into his presence and what do we do we long to hear his voice we offer up our prayers and supplications to him and we ask for him to change us amen Amen. psalm 133 talks about this unity that happens among god's people it's talked about in the book of acts they were gathered to the day on the day of pentecost you remember the word that was used they were gathered together in one accord if you keep reading through acts the book of acts there's a this is over and over one accord in unity In the coming weeks, we're going to talk more about unity. Uh, But in Psalm 133, he says, Behold how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. It is like the precious ointment upon the head that ran down upon the beard, even Aaron's beard, that went down to the skirts of his garments, as the dew of Hermon and as the dew that descended upon the mountains of Zion. For there the Lord commanded the blessing even life forevermore when he's in our presence and we are in one accord something very very special happens and today it's going to happen again let us pray (coughs) heavenly father we are so blessed lord that you have sent the spirit that proceeds from you in our midst in a very special way and lord as the holy spirit comes down upon us and dwells with us in a glorious way i pray that we would be changed by it that we would be made more like you that we would have our hunger and thirst for you filled today that we would leave this place full of the lord to overflowing that we each and every one of us would be filled with the spirit 
singing to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in our hearts to you, O Lord. Lord, may the joy of this day bubble out of our mouths as we speak to one another of your goodness. May this day that you have given us be a day that we not think about and worry about what we think about and worry about every other day, but today is a day when we think about your goodness, your mercy, your love, and your word in a very special way. May this be the meditation of our hearts, and may it be what comes from our mouths today. In Christ's name we pray, and all the church said, text is John chapter 17 starting in verse 1 I'm going to read verses 1 through 10 my message today is about one thing when I was working on it I thought it was going to be about four things and when I got done writing about one thing I was about almost two sermons long so I figure I'll just do one thing instead of four things you guys okay with that one thing I'm going to talk about today is prayer uh, John 17 1 let's let's read these words spake Jesus and he lifted up his eyes to heaven and he said father the hour has come Glorify thy Son, that thy Son also may glorify thee, as thou have given him power over all flesh, that he should give eternal life to as many as thou hast given him. And this is life eternal, that they might know thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent. I have glorified thee on the earth, and I have finished the work which thou gavest me to do. And now, Father, glorify thou me with thine own self and with the glory which I had with thee before the world was. I have manifested thy name unto the men which thou gave me out of the world. They, thine they were, and thou gavest them me, and they have kept thy word. Now they have known that all things whatsoever thou hast given me are of thee. For I have given them the words which thou gave me, and they have received them and have known surely that I came out from thee, and they have believed that thou did send me I pray for them I pray not for the world but for them which thou hast given me for they are thine and all of mine are thine and thine are mine and I am glorified in them isn't that an amazing thing and very politically incorrect in the church world today Jesus said I'm not praying for them I'm not praying for everybody that's kind of an amazing thing let us pray Lord we see through this glass darkly but Lord you've given us your word I pray that you would illuminate it for us today help us Lord to hear your voice Speak to us about what we need to do and change in our lives today based on your word. 
Feed us from heaven today. In Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. All of John chapter 17 is a prayer offered by our Lord Jesus on His last day on earth before His crucifixion. There's so much here for us to gain from the supplication to the Father. And if you read the whole prayer from beginning to end, there seems to be four main things. And in my original sermon, that we're go- these four main things that we're going to cover today, but I changed it. I began to see that God was calling us for at least a week on each one of these. They are prayer. Everybody say prayer. prayer. Election. Election. Unity. Unity. And the deity of Christ. Four things. But today we could, we could spend a number of weeks on any one of these things. But I thought we'd deal with just one of them today in the context of this beautiful and passionate prayer that John recorded here in his gospel. We'll be in this prayer for quite a while because God God has much to say to us from it. Now don't forget, Jesus had just shared an intimate Last Supper with His disciples. He had taken a towel and girded Himself with it and began to wash their feet. He reminded them how that He was the source of all good that would grow from them and in them, that that the church was a great vineyard, but each of them played uh, a role. How that this crop that would grow in them supernaturally would be love, and from that love would grow everything else. How the sap of the goodness that would flow in them and out into the world would come out as love. He also prepared them for the hate weeds that would hate them without cause. And after he had done these two things, he lifted up his eyes and his voice to God in this prayer, which it seems John recorded in its entirety. Isn't that kind of neat that we have an entire prayer of our Lord, a chapter of the Bible? So let's walk through it a little bit today. Sometimes when you are dividing the word and you're a preacher, you are looking for some interesting thing, some new thing that maybe no one could see and and you're wanting to bring it out and people go, oh wow, that that was, I never saw that before, that's neat. And other times you read right past the most important thing in it because you think you're on your way to somewhere and so... I wanted to know what Jesus was praying about, and so I kept reading the chapter every time, and then, and you know what happens, Steve? Then God just starts talking to me, and that's, that's, when, that's when the magic happens for me. Because I wanted to move right past the fact that Jesus was praying. And I really think that that's kind of a big deal, just the fact that He was praying at all. John 17, 1, these words spake Jesus. He lifted up his eyes to heaven and he said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify thy son that thy son also may glorify thee. When I first read it, I was wanting to see what would come next, but it, God would just kept sending me back to verse 1. Keep sending me back to verse 1. I had intended to talk about prayer for a few minutes probably because That's about how much I pray. Just a few minutes here and there. I'm a busy person and I believe that God, of course, is with me and I want to please Him and all that. And so 
I talk to God here and there all the time, and I kind of think that might be it might be enough. And maybe that's why I thought maybe it might be enough for me to just sort of mention it and move on to point number two. But I soon found out that my four-point sermon was a one-point sermon for me. It might be for you too, but I can tell you it's for me. So what kept coming to my mind as I read chapter 17 over and over again was that Jesus was praying. Now think about that for a moment. Jesus, the Son of God. God in the flesh. Emmanuel. The Bible said, in Him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead. He's praying. He could raise the dead. He could heal disease. He could walk on water. He possessed limitless wisdom. And he... And he prayed? What for? I often think that we relegate prayer to need alone. This isn't working out. Oh, we... Let's pray. Jeff and Amy's car is not working. Pray. Someone's sick. Let's pray. We've run out of money. Let's pray. Right? How, how many of our prayers are a lot of just need? Everybody say, yeah, a lot of my prayers are need, right? And sometimes because our prayers are so much need, I think that's what we think they're for. It's just for the needs that we have. But imagine if that was all you were to the people who love you. The people you love. The only time they ever talked to you is when they wanted something, when they needed something. I've actually needed Jonathan Narwald so many times that I think that he's going to think I don't love him, that I just, hey, my computer's broke. Hey, could you fix this? Hey, I really need help with that, you know. But you know what I bet Jonathan knows, or Jonathan wants, you know, he wants to be, he wants to be loved by me. I'm his friend. I bet he likes it when I call him and I don't need anything. Not because he doesn't want to help me, but because he wants because he wants me. There's nothing wrong with that. Is that okay? Anybody feel uncomfortable? I love Jonathan Marwell. Last time we had we had like a breakfast and he goes, Man, I like these breakfasts where they're not about anything. <laughs> Nobody's in trouble. We're not working on a project together. We're not we're just we're just eating food and we're just talking to each other. He goes, Could we do that again? How many would like time with your husband or your wife or your children just to be with you just because they like to? We pray when we need strength, wisdom, healing, and comfort, but Jesus was the comforter. So why did he pray? Why don't we ask ourselves today, why do we pray? What do you pray, Dante? I don't think it would be right to say here that Jesus was praying to show us that we should pray. I mean, you know, he really didn't need to pray. You know, he was just doing it for our benefit, right? I mean, this is, I, I really think it's a little bit more than that. I don't think he was doing it to show us how to pray. There was a time when they said, Lord, show us how to pray, but this wasn't it. He's walking with them. He's on his last day. He's had the last supper. He's washed their feet. He's preparing them to be the love vines that he's made them to be. He's prepared them for the hate that's coming in the world. And he's just walking on the way. It says he lifted up his eyes to heaven. 
Oh, Father, glorify thy Son. He wasn't teaching them. He wasn't instructing them. He wasn't doing it for their benefit. There was something in his heart that was crying out to God. He loved his Father. Don't you love it, Steve, when your kids just want to talk to you and be with you because they love you? Some of my kids actually love me too much, and I want them to leave me alone. <laughs> Get off of me. Leave me alone. Jesus loves his Father. He wanted to commune with him in spirit and in his body, too. He was walking in this weak flesh, the same flesh that we walk in. He was tempted as we are, suffering like we do, and, and so much more. He was hungering and thirsting, and he was getting wearied and worn. Were you listening to the reading from Daniel chapter 10? Daniel's so weak, he can't even stand, and he's touched by God, and he's strengthened. This is what prayer does. Andy, you can't, you can't carry all that in the natural flesh. You're just going to get sick. You're going to get weared down. You're going to get thin. You're going to... You need strength from God. You're like Daniel. You need to be touched by God. Supernatural strength is what we need. Oftentimes we see that angels came and ministered unto Jesus in His work that He did. They were ministering to Him. Jesus said it was His food to do the will of God and it was His sole aim in His life to please the Father and do the work that He was given to do. You see, good things can take us off of course that too right you can get busy working and doing good deeds and in the end you end up worn and frazzled and worn down right Jesus never sinned but he was tempted now I hate to think of him tempted with evil like we are but it says he was somehow but I think Jesus was probably tempted by good more than anything else. He was tempted to do the good that he was able to do, but, but he shouldn't do. God didn't send him here to go raise every dead person and go heal every person, right? God didn't send him here to live till he was 85. He sent him here to live till he was 33. This is a very difficult thing for our mind. We would say, why did he have to die so young? Wouldn't it have been better look if he lived longer? He could do more good? God hasn't only called us to do good. He's called us to do whose will? His will. His plan. It was the plan of God for Jesus to be done doing what he was doing at 33. That's amazing. Anybody 33 around here? Anybody close to 33 around here? Come on, Laura. It's Laura. Luke? I'm sure he was tempted to stray off the course. I'm sure he saw people with needs and I can't go over there. I got to go here. I'm, I'm on my way to Jerusalem. I'm on my way to Calvary. I can't stop for one more person. Don't you think he wanted to? I bet you he did. You might go, well, that was Jesus. Yeah, Jesus prayed. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. I believe his prayers helped him to stay on course. It helped him to do the will of his Father. 
and not his own. Thank you, sweetie. Jesus prayed. The Bible tells us that he often prayed. As we see as he's on his way in chapter 18 to the Garden of Gethsemane, it says, and he entered into the garden to pray, it says, which, which he often did, which was his custom. He had a customary get alone and pray time. He had a lot of that time. Away from the crowds and even from his friends. He encouraged others to do this. He said that we should enter into what? Our closet. Not a lot of room for other people in there, right? Enter into our closet. Why? So we can be alone with alone with God. Do, do you do that? Are you guys too busy to do that? Too busy at your job? Too busy making your flowers look pretty, Benita? Benita, how many have seen Benita's pretty flowers? Her nice lawn, right? Are you too busy making it look good, Benita, that you don't pray? I know I'm hurting you. I told her I was going to hurt her today. You know how I know? Because as I started asking myself these questions, I didn't like my answers. Maybe you're too busy if you're too busy to pray. I think so. Now I told you this, this sermon, it might not be for you, but I can tell you right now, it's for me. And if I can listen to this, you're going to benefit a whole lot. I can tell you that right now. My children and my wife will benefit a whole lot if I hear this sermon today for me. So you guys don't mind if I just go ahead and preach this for me. You, you, are you okay with that? I think God's calling me to slow down. I think I need to get alone with God. I think I need to pray more. How about you? What do you think? Maybe you could, what do you think that about me? You think I need to do that? I do. Now, don't hear me wrong. This is not a sermon where we talk about how important it is to do our devotions, our regular thing, our reading of Scripture, so many chapters per day, getting in the good stuff. Now, I'm not against that. I'm, I think we should do it. Fill, fill your life with those things. But this isn't a sermon about checking off boxes of things we need to do to be good. I'm talking about something else completely. What I am saying is that I need, that we need to, we need to pray. Living the life that we're living in the world we're in, we need time alone with God. We need times where we walk in nature, where we lift up our eyes and our hearts to heaven and we call out to our Father. Steve and Elaine, as you're facing the difficulties that you're facing, this new thing in your life, you can rely on your own strength, but you're going to get overwhelmed. You're going to be tempted to snap at your kids or be irritated or angry with one another. But let me tell you what you need. You need to get alone with God. I was telling Steve, use this time. Let God use this time in your life to draw you nearer to Him. You, you're going to have to go to appointments and be busy and do this and do that. That's just how it works when these kind of things happen. But I'm telling you, the busier you get, if you're too busy to talk to God, you're just too busy. 
As I get older, my life and my job get harder. I find that I have come up against a wall, a limit of things that I just can't bear. I feel weak and I feel helpless. And I remember the sermon I preached a while back called From Helplessness to Faith. Do you remember that? The disciples, they can't cast the demon out of the boy. The deaf and dumb spirit that, that tortures this family. And they can't answer the questions of the Pharisees. And Jesus is up on the mountain in the glory of God with, with Peter and James and, and, and John. And, and they're down there and they're like, ah! And He brought this about in their life to show them that faith begins at helplessness. And I think so much, so many, too many workers in the kingdom and too many moms and dads and Christians, I think we try to go on our own strength. And you can go for a while. But I think you're going to lose if you don't stop going so much. You see, when, the, when we work too hard and we're too busy, you know what we're showing? We're showing that we don't believe that it's God that's working. We, we show that we don't believe that really the Holy Spirit is the one converting and sanctifying and teaching and speaking to God's people. I will have to scale back and do less and seek solitude. Now you might go, well, so what's Pastor Mark doing today? You might find out I might be praying. Wouldn't that be something? Wouldn't that be something if you called and I was praying? This has not really been my way, but it must be my way or I'm not going to be able to do this. <clears throat> I guess maybe it's a confessional to my congregation. I've lived a life praying on the run, Jonathan. I think about God. I order my life around what He wants. It's all good, but I'm either getting weaker or wiser and I understand that I need God. You know, I went out to Colorado and just poured myself out and, and God used me in some mighty ways. And, and after those things, I just remember feeling so, so spent, but so happy at the same time. We need supernatural power to do the supernatural works of God. We can't do that in the flesh. It's impossible. When the church grew rapidly in Jerusalem after Pentecost, the workload of the apostles increased and it began to infringe on them in a way that demanded a remedy. Now, listen for what they described as the mainstay of these 12. What they needed to quit doing other things for so they could do exclusively. Do you remember this? This often happens to me and I wonder, would I need any relief? I often hear these words in my head and, and I know that they're for me. What should I be doing as the leader of this church? And then I read Acts chapter 6 and I'm reminded and I go, hmm. Let's read it, Acts 6. In those days when the number of disciples was multiplied, there arose a murmuring among the Grecians and Hebrews because their widows were neglected in the daily... Um, Ministry of feeding them. They, were, they didn't have the money to work and, and they needed someone to take care of them. The twelve called the multitude of the disciples and he said, It is not reason that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. 
Wherefore, brethren, look ye out among you seven men of honest report, full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business. He's saying these are things that they can do, but they really shouldn't be doing those things, is what they were, he was being told. And so I'm not here to go, oh, you know, I need you guys to do stuff. It's not, I, you know what, I'd just be okay if it just didn't get done. There's no hungry widows we need to feed around here. But when I read here what they're supposed to be doing, I feel conviction. Because it's not what I do. He said, let's let them take care of feeding the widows and doing this. But what I'm going to do, what we need to be doing, is giving ourselves continually to prayer. If you ask me if I was doing anything, I might say, I'm really not doing anything. I'm just praying. That's, that, that might be what I might say. And I really think God is calling me to the work of prayer. I think that there's work involved in it. But when that work, when you come away from it, I think it's a good work. I think it's what I should be doing with my time, which I don't do. He said, we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. Now, I certainly do plenty of that. Non-stop, I'm talking to people on the phone. And non-stop, I'm encouraging. Non-stop, I'm looking into and writing and thinking about God's word. But I'm not giving myself continually to prayer. Andy, I hate even to turn over and look at you, but you're an elder in this church, and I know you're busy, and I know you're overwhelmed, but ask yourself, are you giving yourselves continually to prayer? Are you praying for this congregation God has given us? That's what we should be asking ourselves. Are we laboring in prayer for the people that God has given us? Some of you fathers and mothers, are you raising your kid and disciplining your kids and teaching your kids and involved in one more activity and go to one more place and visit one more thing and take them to one more swimming hole? But you don't pray for them? I think God has called us to prayer, not to busyness. We need to unbusy ourselves and find time to pray. It's a hard thing being a dad, isn't it, Heath? I love talking to Heath about kids because I'm like, you know what? It's, you know, I know we're a lot different, Heath, but I think we're very similar in our dadding. You're just as bad at it as I am. I say that in a funny way because, you know, I don't want to say he's as great at it as I am because I, I, talk, and I, I say, Heath, what do you do, you know? And, he, and he, he tells me what he does. I'm like, oh, that's what I do, and I think I'm really bad at it. So, so like maybe me and Heath are the worst dads or we're, maybe we're the best. I don't even know. But all I know is that being a dad is a whole lot more than just our, all right, do this with this kid and tell him this and discipline it. It's more than that. It's a supernatural work. Heath, we need to pray that God would give us wisdom. Amen? I felt very challenged as a dad and I'll come to, to, my, to my wife. I'll say, I don't, I don't know what to do with these kids. I love them, but I just want, I want to pass on to them what, what Christ has given me. I want them to have that too. And I feel like I'm failing my kids. I'm not saying I, I've got bad kids. I'm saying I really feel like I don't know how to pass that to them. I don't know how to make them do certain things. I don't know how to pass some of these things on to the congregation. I feel 
unable to do that. But you know, God knows how to do that. And God can get it done no matter how bad I am at it. This is something I've found. But, but see, we don't believe like that. We believe we're doing it and we need a little help. No, I'm telling you, we need God. Amen? We need God to parent our children. We need God to love our wives and our husbands. We need help to go through difficult situations. And the help we need is supernatural. I'm telling you, we need it. Oh, I need to be given to prayer, people of God. And I think you do too. Jesus needed to pray. That's just enough. If you, if you weren't going to listen to anything all day long, Jesus needed to pray. And we do too. Amen? Amen? Without prayer, our lives will burn out like spent candles melting on the floor in failure. Only by prayer can we walk in the power of the Spirit. Without prayer, we lose against the constant and unrelenting onslaught of demonic attack and the weight of doing good deeds in our own effort. Devils and demons never sleep. They never stop. But it's only when we do stop, when we stop walking in our own strength and rest in Him and go to Him in prayer, it's only then that we defeat them. Isn't that amazing? They never sleep, but when we rest and we talk to God, God fights our battles. You guys remember that? You remember that prophet with his servant? He's terrified. He sees the army. He's like, oh, yeah, you, you can rest. You're, you're, you're just safe here as you are anywhere. What do you mean? Lord, open up his eyes. Remember that? He sees these angelic hosts camped around there. The angel of the Lord encamps about them that fear him. We do not believe that we are engaged in the battle that we are engaged in. I am convinced that the principalities and dark things of this world are camped around my house too. And the angels are doing their best. But they can only do so much. You might think, well, what, what are you talking about? You're getting a little bit crazy. I, you know what? I'm, I'm reading the Bible. It says that's what's going on. You might need to go back to Daniel 10 and remember that. I read that the other day and I'm thinking, what did he just say? Daniel was laboring over the people that God had given him. And he said, I, I don't know what's going on. Lord, I want you to help me see. And he said, you know what? I'm going to find out. And so for 21 days, he decided that he was going to fast and he was going to pray. Oh, I wish you had a pastor like that. On day 21, the supernatural being appears and he says, fear not. From the first day, you can read in Daniel 10, from the first day that you set your heart to understand and humbled yourself before God, your words have been heard and I have come because of those words. Did you imagine that your words could move archangels around in heaven? Can you imagine this, Jason? Seems a little bit funny, doesn't it? Did you hear the description? This thing scared the living daylights out of Daniel. He had a golden belt, a face that looked like lightning. I don't even know what Burl is. So much so that he was weak and he fell down and he was like a dead man before him. And the guy said, 
when you started praying, I started moving. Things started happening in heaven. You read about this? He said, and I'm glad you kept praying because the prince of Persia, whoever that is, who could resist that? Who could resist something with a lightning face and a golden belt and an angelic host that was probably so powerful it scared the living daylights out of you? But because Daniel started praying, it started moving. And I'm telling you, when you read this, it sounds like he was engaged in some sort of warfare, this being was, and he said he could not get away from it until Michael the archangel came and they did a little tag team on whatever this prince, whoever this prince of Persia is. And he tells him, he said, now listen, I can only be here for a little while because the prince of Greece is coming and i got to go back to the battle. Like, what in the world is he talking about? Folks, this is, this is something, this is opened up in the eyes of heaven. And you go, oh, well, that's, that's Old Testament stuff. That's prophet Daniel. Daniel is no more than any one of you here, I can tell you right now. Daniel was not filled with the Holy Spirit of God like you are. He was when he prophesied. But something changed when Christ was crucified. Remember we talked about it last week. We have the Holy Spirit in a way that they did not. Somehow prayer puts the heavens in motion. If we understood that our prayers did this. Don't you think we'd pray a little bit more? Sometimes we think, well, we're just telling God because we just we need to vent. Oh Lord, I'm feeling like such a failure, and I'm letting everybody down, and I don't know what's going on, and whatever. You know, we feel like we're venting, folks. Our prayers are not merely venting to God; they're touching God. They're moving things. The Bible says in Hebrews that angels are ministering spirits to minister to the heirs of salvation. We know that Jesus was touched by them. I don't exactly understand what's going on here, but there's something going on, and we can get to it in just a second a little bit more. This is not a spiritual warfare sermon. It's a prayer sermon. Because I think we think that prayers are just things that we do at the end of other things that are more important. Oh, we're going to take offering. Let's pray. We're going to start church. Let's pray. It's time to eat our food. Let's pray. Instead of seeing that our prayers are that, but there's so much more. This great and majestic heavenly being whose eyes were like lightning in the archangel, Michael came and helped him, and I talked to you about that. Now, I'm, I'm not sure what it all means, but it seems like our prayers can cause battles in the heavenlies. I don't exactly know. So I'm going to tell you one more thing and then we're going to go into a little bit more scripture here. I feel God is calling me to battle for you. I feel a deep calling from God to pray for you that your enemies would not triumph over you, to pray for you like Jesus did. And you'll, you'll see, we'll get into this prayer more. Jesus was praying for them. He said, I pray for them. I pray for those that you've given me. Perhaps God's calling you into your prayer closet for your children, for your husbands, your wives, your elders. Andy read for us from Ephesians chapter 1. You might miss this. Did you guys understand what he was saying? Ephesians 1 is a prayer. He wrote his prayer down. He prays another one in chapter 3 of Ephesians. You should read these prayers. 
He says in Ephesians 1, he says, Wherefore I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord, he, and, and your love to the saints, he said, I cease not to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers. And then he begins to tell them, the, he, this is what Paul prayed for. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, would give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him. He wanted them to know something about God. And he explains to them, he said, I wish they could see. He says this, he says, the eyes of your understanding, I wish you could understand what's going on. And what does he tell them is going on? The eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of His calling, what is the riches of His glory and the inheritance of the saints. Verse 19, this is the thing I'm wanting us to, to think about, this power that we're missing out on. Verse 19, that you will know what is the exceeding greatness of his power to usward who believe, according to the working of his mighty power. And he goes into this, okay? And what he mentions is really something that they're not words we use, but he's talking about spiritual warfare. He says, this power he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead is this power that we have access to. Could you imagine? You have access to the power that raised Jesus from the dead by opening your mouth in prayer. I don't think we believe this. If we did, I think we would pray more. Maybe I should say it this way. Maybe I didn't believe this. He says, verse 21, and he begins to talk about this. And this is not about, you know, Caesar and whatever. This is about spiritual things. He says, far above all principality, power, might, and dominion. Do you guys know what all these things are? These are this is local, national, and world spiritual governments. You know, when the children of Israel went into Canaan, they were going to throw out the Canaanites. And this same picture is given to us by God, that as God is going to save the world, He's going to do it by throwing all of these ungodly principalities and powers and the rulers of spiritual wickedness. He's going to throw them out. That's what we're supposed to be doing. You can read about it more in Ephesians chapter 3, but I'm going to take you to the end of Ephesians where he makes this more clear, just, just in case you think that, you know, I've been on Pentecostal television for a little while, you know, watching them run around and talk about demons. Just in case you think I've gone a little bit crazy, I'm going to read for you what the Apostle says. Ephesians chapter 6, he says, finally, finally, my brethren, be strong. Everybody say, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Now, he's talking about the power that he's already been talking about in chapter 1. He talks about it again in chapter 3, and he's bringing it up in chapter 6. It's only six chapters long. So he gets to the end, and he ends the whole thing. He said, let me explain to you what this power is all about. Finally, my brother, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Put on the whole armor of God, that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. I don't like to talk about the devil. I like to just sort of ignore him. Imagine if we ignored Germany. Remember what happened during the war? They're like, you know what? Just let them fight that battle. We shouldn't get involved. What would happen if we had not gotten involved, folks? We'd all be speaking German. We'd have swastikas and Jews would be exterminated or whatever, right? Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. 
And just in case you didn't get it, verse 12, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers. And if you're thinking, well, maybe that means one thing. No, no, he explains it. Against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God that you may be able to Stand in the evil day, and having done all to stand, stand therefore, he says, with your loins girt about with truth, having on the breastplate of righteousness, your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace, above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith you be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. Paul's gone super spiritual here, he's gone crazy. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Everything Luke, he's mentioning, defensive, but then he gets to the sword, right? You can defend yourself with the sword, but that's really not all it's for, right? But that's not the only offensive weapon that he mentioned. We do have the sword of the Spirit. We are to continue that it is the sword that we fight our enemies with, right? But that's not all we got. Take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Verse 18, praying. Everybody say praying. Praying, praying always in all prayer and supplication in the Spirit and watching thereunto with perseverance and supplication for the saints. But you can unpack that whole thing. He's saying you need to pray. You need to pray. You need to persevere and pray. You need to make supplications before God. I mean, I remember being convicted that I wasn't, you know, how could I teach my children when they rise up, when they lie down, when they walk by the way, if I wasn't with them? But when I read this, it says we need to pray always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, watching thereunto with perseverance and supplication for the saints. He's saying we got to pray. we got to pray. we got to pray. we got to pray. What was Jesus doing in John 17? He was praying. He was praying for them, the elect, that God had given him. Why did he do that? Don't you remember he said to Peter, he said, the devil has wanted to take you and sift you like wheat, but I have, but I prayed. I don't exactly understand it, but I can see it. Can you see it? In verse 19, he says, pray for all the saints, but then Paul throws it in. He goes, and for me, he's their fearless leader. He's the, he's the apostle. He's the guy that can raise the dead. He's the guy who's, you know, probably like Peter, his shadow walking across. People are being healed, right? Taking cloth that he prays for and things are happening. Paul goes, could you pray for me? Pray for me that the utterance may be given unto me that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel. Church, please pray for me as I answer this call to pray for you. Not only should this house, the church, be a house of prayer, but we, his people, should be a praying people. Amen? Every one of us should seek out a closet or a place of solitude and begin lifting our eyes to heavens and calling upon our Father for the strength that we need. All of us should be, as it says in 1 Timothy chapter 2, we should be lifting our hands first timothy 2 i exhort therefore first of all that supplications prayers intercessions giving of thanks be made for all men 
Six verses later, I will therefore that men pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands without wrath and doubting. This may sound like a little simple thing, and, and, and I know it's not all wrapped up together in a little bow. But this week when I was in Denver, I, I watched something happen there that I really liked, and I'd love to have it be here. And It may seem a little funny at first, but... And this isn't closet prayer, this is just prayer. You guys want to do some prayer in here in this church? It was neat. I'd be sitting with somebody, and I would say something, and it would kind of touch their heart, and they'd stop, and they'd go, Pastor Mark, they said, would you pray for me right now? And I'm not really used to kind of doing that in the middle of conversations, but I'm like, sure. And I'd just pray for him, Derek, and we'd pray for a little bit. And later on, we were doing something. And I mentioned something about my home and my life. And some guy says, hey, he says, can I pray for you right now? And I'd say, sure. And I was kind of like, what's, what's going on? And then they'd, oh, and, and oh, Lord, and they'd pray for me, you know, whatever. And I'm like, okay, you know. And, and so then we were, you know, and I'm with, a, I'm with a young man. He's like 20 years old. And, and I'm talking to him. And he goes, he goes, do you mind if we stop right now? He goes, he said, man, could you pray for me? And this happened like a hundred times. You can, you can testify to this, Andrew. When I came home, I was on cloud nine. Not because I was at the Mile High City. Because there was something strengthening and encouraging about people who believed that their prayers meant something. It wasn't just like, I think I'll be real spiritual here. Pastor Mark just gave me some advice. Let's pray. No, these people were praying. They were asking me to pray. They were praying for me. They were praying for each other. I watched this happening all over there. And I'm like, man, wouldn't that be neat? Wouldn't if that broke out, Luke? All of a sudden, someone in the church comes up and sometimes Luke's very sensitive. He's worried that we're gossiping about somebody. When you're worried about it, stop. Say, hey, can we pray for them? Because sometimes we can get to gossiping, maybe. If you're worried about it, say, hey, let's pray for them. That'll kind of shut it down quick, won't it, Luke? But, that, but, but it'll give us something we can do together because sometimes we're in the midst of and we hear about something that's going on and we think, well, what can we do? Well, we can't do anything. Yeah, we can. We can, we can pray. That's something. Amen? I hope today is the beginning of something new and beautiful in our church that we can sustain, that grows, that we're not afraid to, you know, when you're, you know, Andy, I was so glad to hear you're visiting your neighbors and I'm sure when you were there, you're like, can I pray for you? Folks, people like it when you pray for them. And something happens when you do. There's something I'd like to pray for right now. That's, I, know this, I know there's a lot of things to pray for. and you, I haven't even told you about this, but it's coming to my heart. You guys, as we, as we close out this sermon, you want to put this into practice right, in this, right here? I met with a beautiful, sweet, godly family out there in Denver, and we had been dealing with other people's issues and, and whatever, and we were, we were, there was a lot of good things going on. And they asked me to go to a private place, there's this husband and wife, and we go back there, and I'm kind of thinking, I don't know what is exactly about to happen, but it kind of feels a little bit odd what they're doing, and so we go back there. And they said, we have a nine-year-old son who talks about committing suicide all the time. And it's terrifying our family. And we're, we're talking from a family just like your family. 
He's not, you know, gone through great trauma or been raised in some extreme way. He's just like one of our covenant children. And they says he talks about killing himself and he gets angry and he goes crazy. We're afraid he's going to hurt somebody. He's, he's only a little boy right now, but if he does this when he's big, he's going to kill someone. And they're like, we know he's never seen media and we know he wouldn't even know how to kill himself, but he talks about it. And we don't know what to do. Can we pray for them? Now, I took them, I, I ministered to them from the Word, and I prayed for them that day, but I want to pray for them right now. I told them, hey, I told them about the sermon about the boy. That, where the, you know, I don't know what's going on with this child. I have no idea. But I know somebody who does. Amen? God does. Let's pray for them, okay? Right now. Lord Jesus. Lord, you know who we're talking about, Lord, and, and our congregation. I know they've if they could even imagine what it would be like to have one of their little ones, the terror that it would cause them, the grief it would cause them, the frustration, the, the helplessness, oh Lord, I pray in the name of Jesus that our prayers would touch that home, would touch that boy. Lord, would heal his mind, his heart, that would cast out any devils and demons that would speak to him. Lord, we know we're not... Uh, in close proximity, but in the Spirit, we don't need to be. Lord, You're there. Lord, we pray that Your ministering angels would go to this house. Lord, that they would have peace. They can't even leave their home without fear of what might happen. They're terrorized by the situation. They love their son. Lord, they're Your servants. They're doing good works. Lord, give them rest on this Lord's day. Give them peace, Lord. Bring something miraculous and beautiful in the life of this boy. But if you have brought it there, Lord, as a thorn in their flesh, oh God, I pray you would give them strength to endure it and you would let this situation change them. Lord, please be with them today. In Jesus' name, amen. Hello, this is Pastor Mark Robinette of Foundation Church. Thank you for taking the opportunity to listen to our audio sermons. We would love to hear from you if you have any comments, questions, or just to let us know how they served you. Go to our website, www.foundationfellowshipchurch.org, and send us a note. Thank you, and it's a pleasure to serve you.